Welcome to the Social Exchange Podcast. You're about to listen to the fourth episode of a segment that I call CoronaCast, in which I'm interviewing people from countries all over the world and discussing their reactions to their experiences with COVID-19 and the way their countries are responding to the pandemic. Last episode, I spoke with a man from France, and we're not traveling very far now. Today's guest is Marjorie Israel. She's also from France. She offered a perspective about what it's like to be living in rural France, far away from any major city or even suburb, all while, of course, the country remains in lockdown. And I should say that this conversation happened a few days ago. I don't think that much has changed since then. But French President Macron is scheduled to deliver a speech tonight, and who knows what may change. You may hear my daughter in the background, by the way. It's been an interesting experience to work from home. In any case, this was a fun and very interesting discussion with this native of France, my friend, Marjorie Israel. Why do you say that you believe that being out where you are is... uh is a boon instead of how fearful people seem to be in Paris. Well, I'm in a um, completely rural part of France, in Normandy, and I'm surrounded by trees and animals and orchards and all these soothing things that are really helpful. And, you know, it's springtime in spite of it all. And, you know, I can see leaves and trees and flowers and I can see foals and young calves and stuff like that. And even though we're not, we don't, we don't even really need to go out yet when we do need to go out yet, but I can be outdoors, I can be in the garden, and um, that has a lot of advantages, and the downside is, is I get, I don't get first, any first-hand information like you would in the city, I mean, any kind of, uh, everything is, you know, either on TV or, but I mean, everybody has this problem. Uh, everything is either the, on TV or on the internet. And so I think if you're out in the country, well, I don't know about that. Uh, we're all glued to the screens, you know, and what's going on. And uh, I guess being in France, and Amer- I mean, I've lived in France for a long time. So we have to kind of cover France and the United States and, you know, other places. So maybe am I spending more time and... Um, looking at the news and what's going on. I'm not sure it's probably about the same because it's, it's been so bad the last three years, you know, with our dear leader that um, I've looked at more news than I've ever have in my entire life. So has it gone from bad to worse? I don't think so, actually. I, I don't know. I, I'm afraid to look at my screen time. Mm. But um, I think everybody's probably in the same position, you know, when you're in, uh, when you're, confined and you can't go out and there is a special paper a document that we all have to fill out all around all over france if if we need to go somewhere uh and there's only like four choices um if you don't have a printer you can write it out by hand but anyway you have to say who you are and where you live and your reason for leaving your home five choices so if you have to go to work and if you do have to go to work then you need and you're not working at home, then you need a paper saying that you have to go to work. Um, you have to, or if you need to go buy something, um, which is considered a first necessity, which would be food or, or pharmaceuticals. The third is uh, you have to go out because you have, there's a health reason. Fourth is uh, you need to help 
either the elderly or maybe babysit or some kind of uh, family emergency like that. And the fifth is you can have near your home some brief physical activity, uh, but you can't do anything t together with other people. You know, you can go for a walk by yourself, even in the city, or you can go. But and evidently that fifth uh, category is giving every, giving a lot of problems because uh, people are abusing and sitting down in the parks and stuff. not not here, but in Paris, sitting down in parks and you know just it's more close to gathering than what we can do in the country. So if you say yeah. to every individual in a city that you can each do things individually, that's basically the way people live in cities anyway, in the West. So I guess yeah. you have to have groups and gatherings even when you're not supposed to. Yeah, no, I mean, what evidently is mostly in the parks and people are just sort of sitting closer together, you know, because the, I believe the, reg, the rule is that you have to be at least a meter apart from anybody. You can't be touching and you have to be at least a meter apart, but... People were kind of sitting down by the river. It's a pretty day. Cafes aren't open. It's not that. But in the parks or in um, benches and stuff like that, people were closer than they were supposed to be and probably congregating and probably conversing. Uh, here, I have, we haven't been out since uh, Monday. Let's see. We went out to dinner with some friends who live like two miles away on Sunday. But since then, we haven't seen anybody. Anybody except me, it's just me and my husband and our cats. And well, actually, we have we very fortunately, we our house is our house is an old horse farm, and we don't have any horses, but our neighbors have horses and they board their horses here at our house. So they have stable hands who are legally permitted to work to take care of horses. So mm. we've seen them, but we haven't spoken to them. So that's pretty weird, isn't it? I suppose so. What kind of a shift have you had to make between your daily routine and what your routine has come to be of late? Um, I've spent more time in the garden and less time on the computer. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's a good thing. I've spent more time researching because both of my kids live in the United States. One of them lives in Oakland and he's, you know, he's the story that I told you about, you know, in the message is in this the other day yeah so he's also um sheltered and my other son is in um he lives in richmond outside of richmond virginia except that he's been in training for 10 weeks in missouri and he's supposed to fly back to virginia tomorrow but he doesn't know whether they'll be flying there's a flight he doesn't know they don't know they haven't confirmed right. it yet he, he thinks so so i just want to say although they've lived in the States for some years and we've lived here. Travel was, you know, there were never any restrictions. So it wasn't a source of um, anxiety or stress. And now the psychological, the presence of the travel ban and the inability to take flights and the Air France is not flying and nobody's flying actually. I mean, I, I, yesterday or the day before I kind of looked into how I could get to the United States if I wanted to, because I'm a U.S. citizen and so I can go but I, I can't find a way to go. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, but that's, that's stressful. And it's a, it's a stress, it's a new stress, and it's a new source of anxiety that we really, you know, had an experience because there was no travel ban. You know, we could pick up and go whenever we wanted to. 
So you're a person who could travel and you could see that it's possible that there could be reasons in the near future you would want to travel, but it's not clear exactly how you would go about doing it or, or what the rigmarole would be. That's correct. I mean, I have I actually have reasons. My daughter-in-law is pregnant mm. and there's a baby shower and gender reveal scheduled in May. We have plane tickets and we do not know whether we'll be able to go or not. No. So, you know, if, if we miss it, we miss it. It's, it's not such a big deal. Uh, it, I mean, I'd be sorry not to go and, um, but it's not such a big deal, but it's stressful not knowing it's more stressful not knowing and not being able to travel than it is to worry about being sick. Yeah. My husband, he's more concerned about getting sick than I've ever seen him. You know, I've never seen him be so, uh, tense about, you know, getting the uh, testing positive. But I'm not so worried about getting sick as I am about not being able to, to move around. I mean, you know, I don't feel consigned, but I'm confined, but I, I'm, I'll be sad if we don't get to go anyway. I'm interested to get your perspective on this because I just asked another gentleman who lives near Paris, but still, uh-huh. still on the outskirts. But um, I was asking, how are these restrictions newly placed on you being enforced? And... Um, you know, how readily are they being enforced? For instance, I, a lot of people have the idea that you walk out of your house, there's someone there that you'll need to tap on the shoulder and let know that you're going somewhere. And of course, that's a, that's a kind of extreme exaggeration. On the other hand, this guy agreed with an analogy that I posed to him. You, know, you might think about it like you're not supposed to speed on the highway. And still, some people aren't always watching to see if you're speeding. So people are going to do it. But if you get caught, you're going to get a fine. Is that a decent analogy or is it maybe more strict, strictly imposed than that? I think it's more strictly imposed than that. Um, I, we have a friend who needed to, he's in the horse business and he needed to go pick up a horse yesterday. And he was stopped by uh, the police. Um, he had to show his papers. And so this is out in Normandy, in rural Normandy. And then the policeman explain to him, and this is all over the news, I think, is that a lot of people, Normandy is sort of the nearest countryside or one of the near countrysides, but I think all of France is the same. A lot of people have left Paris to go to their home, their, their country homes or to go to get out of Paris. But in Normandy, there's been a lot of news that the small cities or towns that are along the beach, like Deauville and Cabot, they're just overwhelmed and there are too many people there and the hotels are full. And uh, um, so there isn't, like in Italy, there isn't a support support system. Um, there isn't a medical support system. I don't think it's so much food and um, or housing, but if something should happen, there aren't enough hospital beds. There aren't enough doctors. There's definitely not enough doctors because all the doctors have pretty much left rural areas to go to bigger towns. Mm. So, so all the mayors and all, uh, you know, all of the administrations of these smaller towns, and that's really throughout Normandy, are concerned that there's so many people here now because if it sh- something should explode, they won't be able to take care of. Um, and I have another friend who is a doctor. She's a plastic surgeon, and she lives out here. And they, she works in a private. Well, she, you know, she practices in a private clinic. And they, she, her clinic is shut down. 
um, so that it can be, uh, what's the word, uh, used if needed as, you know, hospital beds and for, you know, medical emergencies. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, and I assume that that may have happened in a lot of, if they're doing it at her clinic, they're doing it at every clinic. But she, her clinic is outside of a, a it's not a big city, but it's, it's big enough. It's got an airport uh, on the, um, on the coast. So I, I guess they're doing that. Um, I'm sure they're doing it everywhere. My, I have, my sister-in-law is a doctor. She's a gastroenterologist. Um, and she retired not long ago, a year ago, maybe less. And they've contacted her to ask her to, you know, to come back in to work, uh, not full time. And so she is so that they have, you know, as many doctors on hand. And she also lives outside of Paris, sort of near Disney, where Disney World is, which is about 10 or 15 kilometers east of the city center. And there's a big, they have a, several big hospitals there because it serviced Disneyland, right? So sure. anyway, she's, she's going back to work. Um, so, and I, I read on Facebook and I read in the news that also in the south of France is a big problem that a lot of people have homes that go summer homes in the south of France. They've gone down to the south of France. And so it's a strain on the structure, medical structure, every kind of structure, transportation, whatever <coughs> in the south of France too, because they're just not used to having all that many people at the same time. Well, right. so something like that. Do you have any uh, sense that um, to get standard medical care that it's become much more difficult or are people still able to somewhat readily go into a, a primary doctor for an ear infection, let's say, or, or something like that, or, or people being triaged instead? Healthcare is really reliable here. I have a feeling that isn't being affected so much, but um, gosh, everywhere uh, doctors and the news and everything are trying to avoid panic situations. So they're discouraging any kind of, any kind of moving around unless it's really emergency a really high fever a baby that kind of thing or an elderly person so i don't think you would be refused anywhere i don't have any really personal experience but i listened to the president macron talk both times and he's been very insure, reassuring about regular medical care so no i would say that that um that isn't uh, the problem the problem is really just kind of, they really want to contain contact you know and put a lid on this and 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 what they're a little bit ahead of what's going on in the united states more than a little bit and i really hope it works i was going to ask you about vermont because i haven't read anything about vermont i have i have a brother that lives in new york city mm. and he's in my age group you know we're the vulnerable age group and i have a sister who's in, teaches at ann arbor and she's the vulnerable age group so my sister Ann Arbor shut down and they they canceled graduation which is a big deal isn't it at the University of Michigan to cancel graduation anyway yes. um uh and my brother and sister-in-law they're not going out so I was just going to ask you how it is in in Vermont good question turning it back to me now I'm starting to see how it feels as I'm about to answer I'm I'm thinking about all the people I'm not answering for objectively what's happened is as you say things have been shut down except for necessary outlets so our, our stores are open our restaurants are open for takeout and delivery much like yours uh, and, and doctors schools have all been closed and we've all moved to remote teaching i work at a high school here in vermont actually mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. this, this two days, Thursday, Friday, I've actually taken sick time ahead of time so that I can record podcasts and, and my conversations that I'm having with people like you are actually going to be, um, my students will be listening to them. So yeah, it's been in Vermont. We're also fairly rural and even in our biggest city of Burlington, uh, we only have something like 60,000 residents. Maybe it's a little bit more than that now. So we've been able to, it seems like we've been able to distance ourselves. Okay. And, and um, we're still behind where we expect we probably will be soon and maybe behind a lot of other states who are, um, you know, have progressed. I don't know if progression is the right way to say it, but where the virus has progressed to an extent that it's overwhelming some of the capacities. Um, so we're okay now. We do have a large, you may know, we have a large teaching hospital here, the University of Vermont. So some people are worried. I've spoken to a few people who work there who are already sort of all hands on deck trying to be in problem solving mode and triage and understanding that there may be people who come to visit them here in Vermont who are from surrounding areas, maybe even outside the state, depending on what happens with our governor's decisions. But they may be such a good hospital and extensive and have so many uh, specialists and it's ranked one of the highest in the country. We, We may be seeing a lot of intake from people who are not from here. And I don't know how that will even work with our our basis for social distancing from each other, but we may be one of the one of the least affected areas in the country for now in terms of actual in real time damage that this thing has been doing, but certainly reason for concern. My wife and daughter and I are working from home here, like I said. You know, we're trying to stay my parents are probably in a not they are in the age range where you'd want to be concerned if somebody's going to get sick and it's been difficult just to you know transition away from everyday life and to realize that this thing is real and it's difficult to get people people seem to be living on the edges of complete unawareness that this is this thing is a systematic problem and it's probably going to get worse and we need to be taking it seriously and then there are people who are completely completely exaggerating their own fears so like i said I don't know if I said it on this talk that we've had so far, but people really have this idea that they're stuck in a bunker at home. A lockdown means you're stuck in a bunker at home and, you know, you'll be damned if someone's going to go get food, you need to stay in there. Or you'll need to beg a military officer standing at your door if you ever want to get out. And so it's been helpful to talk to people from different countries where in people have used Italy and France is an example of, and you don't want this to happen to you. And then you can click on sort of a headline that, that appears that there's some officer or military officer who's pushing a person back, who's screaming and wanting to get through. And this, we just have this visual interpretation. I think the people who are visually oriented have this idea that it's Armageddon and it's dystopian what's going on. And that's what it's going to turn out. And then there are just some people who, you know, they, they love the analogy that this is just like a flu and but we're just giving it hype yeah i mean i think the big difference here is that i don't know anyone who's not taking this seriously um and i do know people in the states who are are really unaware or you know sort of ignorant whereas here i mean there's a lot of information and everybody's on board everybody knows that it's uh i mean italy is next door spain is next door and that they're having a really rough time and i everybody everybody takes this very seriously and um nobody's talking about the flu 
as far as I can tell. Maybe there is, um, I don't know if you've heard, but there was a French doctor who says it's not good to take any form of ibuprofen. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I, think, I don't think there's enough research on that. I, you know, I, I don't know. What do I know? And I read that there isn't enough research, but all of a sudden that's become a thing. Don't take ibuprofen, you know, just like it is in the States. But I mean, it's uh, everybody may not be as careful as they should be, but they're very aware and they're very, uh, what is it, disciplined about them. Mm. I don't think it's panic. I, I think there's fear, though, but I don't think it's panic. I, I, you know, the the number of cases is is increasing um, as we speak. You know, so I hope again. I hope it works. I mean, every day there's you know there's this website. You know, that what's it called? World of Meters or something like that, and they post the number of cases in every country in the world. So it's pretty. That's pretty anxiety inducing, but. Um, no, people are taking it very seriously. And I think that uh, the law enforcement and the military, I don't think they come across to anyone as being, you know, yelling or in your faces or anything like that. There's nothing violent or aggressive about it. But I think it's probably pretty, um, you know, we have the authority and they're very firm about what you need to be doing or not. And when Macron talks, he's very firm. I mean, he's not blah, blah. It's really pretty, uh, it's very straightforward and, and pretty, I, don't wanna, I mean, he makes you want to, makes you realize you have to take it serious. Have you so, seen that things have been that, affected economically, like trying to, trying to visit the store, shopping, things like that? Personally, I haven't because I haven't been out. Um, I can only read that, you know, that, that, you know, restaurants are all closed down. We can take out, but the restaurants you know, takeout is not a big thing in France. It's, you know, there's Domino's pizzas, there's stuff like that, but most restaurants don't do takeout. So right. it's really something they have to organize for. They don't, I don't think they would have the supplies, you know, the, the bags, the, the dishes or whatever to do takeout. It's just really not a thing. And um, there was a, another thing I was reading about that internet shopping in France is much less ingrained uh, than it is in the United States, especially in rural areas. So you can, I don't believe you can, other than dry goods, I don't, there's no such thing as, as what, as whole foods that you can do online right. uh, and stuff like that. I don't believe it exists. What you, you can do sort of, uh, you can do a, a internet shopping and then go pick up what you've, uh, your list of shopping, whatever it is, but you have to go and pick it up. I don't know of any, but again, I may be wrong. I mean, I think there are local grocers who deliver food, but I don't know how market streets are working in France, in Paris right now. We have a weekly market, a weekly farmers market with live animals and everything, mm. and but it's closed. As a, it was open last week, but it's now it's not gonna. It's gonna be closed. Your tone is really calming. This is what I've gathered from people who are ahead of us and what, and, you know, experiencing what we can probably expect to experience is that people are serious, somber, maybe if that's the word, but, but um, level-headed and it's not, it doesn't seem like it's an existential threat to the masses. Well, there's a whole history of um, medical support. I mean, everybody has healthcare in this country 
and nobody has health, well, not nobody, but a lot of people don't have health care in the United States. So just the fact of that, you know, we all have health care and have had it for years is really reassuring for, for me, for everybody. So, um, and I, I can't imagine, like my kids, well, my, my, my daughter-in-law is a nurse, my son, her, he's in the army and they have health care, but they're young and they're healthy. So they haven't had, you know, to deal with the hardships of not having any health care in the United States. And my other son is totally clueless. You know, he's never been sick and he hates going to the doctor, that kind of thing. So even though he's covered, he's never used it. That makes a big difference. If you, you've never had access to health care, you don't even know what it is, right? As you're saying this, I'm thinking about, you were just saying that you can move to online food ordering, but the infrastructure to make that happen smoothly is not there in France. And I'm just thinking that's a good analogy for our healthcare system here. We can make it easier for people to physically access doctors or speak with them or, or get into the office, but we don't have the infrastructure in place for a large swath of Americans to be able to receive healthcare and want to receive it given that they have no insurance. Right. And no, no experience, no insurance and no experience dealing with it. And who do I call and do, and, and you think, you know, what, how many, what percent is the elderly and how are they going to deal with it? You know, do they know where to call? Do they know? I mean, I just can't imagine. You don't know where to get tested in the States. I mean, that's what I'm reading. So I feel like we're all, uh, nobody knows what's going on. Do we? Yeah. Well, to give you a little bit of perspective on that, I, I feel like I've, my, Taking this whole thing seriously is probably, uh, I was probably earlier on average than most people. I'm just sort of a, a news junkie and I like to dive into uh, good information. So I called a couple of weeks ago, my doctor's office, and I said, hey, if I wanted to get tested for the coronavirus, is there a way to do that? And they said, yeah, no. I mean, you come and see us if you think you're sick, but really you have to be somebody who is of risk of getting sick or you have to be somebody who's who's showing you know some severity of all the symptoms and that you're going to be around other people and then we'll give you to the we'll refer you to the state and then that state government may or may not give you a test because that's how limited they are that's that's really scary why would you want to if you're trying to get people to do the right things we're not giving them really many incentives to do them well just i mean just for the record i don't believe it's that easy to get tested here either but I think tests are available. I mean, I think you have to prove that you have certain symptoms and all that. And I think if you insist, you probably can get tested. But uh, I don't think you can walk in anywhere and say, I need to get tested for right. you know, the coronavirus. You have to. But I just feel like the whole process, it, well, first of all, people have, everybody has embraced the fact that there's a pandemic and we got to be careful. And, you know, if I... If I tell my husband I want to go buy a baguette, he says, no way. He's a, he's a believer in bread. So that's, uh, no, but I mean, he's like everybody else. It's uh, <laughs> a believer in bread. <laughs> yeah, he is. No, and I mean, that's, so you were talking about shops getting shut down and all that. I don't know if our local bakery is shut down. I don't think it is, but I know that restaurants are. But again, they're, they're just not prepared for takeout. I don't know, they don't know what takeout is. It's, uh, they, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think there are anybody's cooking for takeout. It's, uh, I haven't heard of such a thing. Well, um, Margie, thank, thank you so much for spending a little time teasing a few things out with me, just the culture and yourself for responding to things over there. I'm trying to end all these on an elevating note, which it didn't get too dark between us, but 
Um, well, I want, I'll, I'll end it on an elevator note. First of all, I, I really want to, again, what is it? Uh, not congratulate you, but tell you that I think it's a great idea to use this material with your students because that's how we're connected, right? That's how we show them that we're connected. So I think that's a terrific idea. Thank and you. it's a great, it's a great age group and uh, I really appreciate that. So that's, for me, that's, that makes it worth it. And I like to talk about it too. It's, uh, it's important that we talk about it. Well, Marjorie, thank you so much again, and I hope we talk soon.